Hey, look, we have this ugly guy. Look at that Hi, mug. Brian. Brian. Uh, you can it, you hear? I don't know. Can you hear it, us, Brian? Shake your head if you can hear us. <laughs> Brian can't hear. Hold, Hold on. on. <laughs> you can type. Can you talk? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you can stop holding on now, sir, Arthur. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, geez, Louise. I come in and I can actually do on that. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> <Bye>, Brian! <laughs> oh, hey, Brian! <laughs> Welcome to Five Guys and the Bible, a weekly podcast where five guys from around the country dig deep into the scriptures and talk about how it relates to life. Thanks for listening and always be blessed. Welcome to uh, another episode, season two of Five Guys in the Bible. Tonight we are joined by a very special guest and we'll get to him after that, but we're going to start out with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we uh, come together right now to talk about your word and its effect on us today and lord help us to speak only the words that you want us to speak lord lord guide us give us wisdom and sometimes patience and let us uh reach those that need to hear this message in jesus holy name we pray amen 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 all right so our guest today is brian hi Woo! brian he is a brother in Christ, and uh, he's one of our Tough Mudders, if you saw the video. Uh, he's the uh, Hobbit, that he so <laughs> yeah. lovingly calls himself. And, uh, <laughs> don't let him fool you. Don't let that name fool you. Hobbits are soft, but uh, Brian is uh, buff. I mean, he's he kicked he's the Tough Mudder right in the teeth. <laughs> I'm stout. That's it. Stout. <laughs> Just a big, blocky, unhairy hobbit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll go with yeah. that. <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, but go ahead. Uh, give us a little introduction. Where you're from? What you like? Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I'm Brian Milstead. I am from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, father of four kids. Uh, been married for going on 13 years. Uh, what I like, I, I like lots of things. I like throwing heavy stuff around. <laughs> uh, I like telling people about Jesus, even if they don't want to hear it. Uh, and occasionally video games. There we go. I'm very, I'm very boring. <laughs> and, and, and you have this addiction to clicking pins while you're talking. Uh, oh yeah, God, nervous habit. Yeah. <laughs> you, saw, you, saw, good, you saw in that Marco where I was like, oh, sorry. It's a good thing I have individual audio, so there's going to be lots of like, every time you click, I should make a special like, boing, 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 boing. <laughs> when I edit this. Here, every, tell you what, switching pins, no clicky on this one. Every time, every time I hear you click the pen when you talk, I'm always reminded of there was a comedian, Jay Moore. We used yep. to do a speech, a diatribe about clicking pens. You know, <laughs> it was right after 9-11, and he talks about pens, and he goes, oh, you're going to bring butter knife? Guess what? Pens aren't illegal. Click, click. 
Uh, so today you are the guest. Uh, so I was going to let you pick the topic, but you don't want to pick the topic. So what I'm thinking <laughs> is that I have a backup. Uh, I have two actually, and I will let you decide. We can either talk about feelings and how they, you know, what the biblical take on feelings is and uh, how that has deviated from uh, in today's society. Or we can talk about discipline because you're pretty disciplined when it comes to your workout routine and all that crazy stuff. I think everybody in here got a good grip on, you know, what it means to discipline the body. But, you know, from a biblical standpoint, it's a little different. So I'll let you pick. Mm. Okay. Well, then if I get a uh, dealer's choice, I'm going to say uh, feelings. Can you find that sound bite and play that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably copyrighted. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'll find owing somebody a lot of money. <laughs> All right. So. We'll start from the modern day perspective. Right now, we live in a society in which feelings are king. I don't care what the truth is. It's my truth, not a universal truth. My feelings dictate whether or not you can say or do something. And even in our media, I mean, look at Disney princesses right now. You know, the main topic is follow your heart, which is so contrary to what the bible says so let's just kick it off with that where in society do we see that it's wrong or right to listen to our feelings brian uh, where in society do we see that it's wrong or right to listen to our feelings well it's funny that you talk about feelings actually uh I'm glad that actually came up as a topic because i was actually listening to a uh 30 minute long uh speech or sermon or whatever is kind of a look into his uh, home church thing for uh, Francis Chan. And one of the topics that he covered in that was actually uh, people's feelings nowadays and um, specifically towards uh, God, right? Uh, how people have feelings of, oh, well, God is uh, a fuzzy loving God, or he's, you know, he's not going to judge people, or I feel like he's like this or whatever. And you can, you can feel how you want about him and whether it's biblically true or not, it's fine. And I'll feel how I want about them. And it, it's all cool because it's just how we feel about them. Uh, that seems to be a common misconception among uh, a lot of people nowadays. Um, and that's where it's, at least where I've come across it, and it's been more prevalent, especially with conversations with uh, people who are uh, agnostic or whatever. They're like, you know, I, I just, I just feel like, and it's always going back to that. I feel like if God is a loving God, he wouldn't actually, you know, punish people. It's like, well, well, hold on here. Let, let me just turn to a random page here in the <laughs> Bible. Let's go over this real quick. Hold on. Uh, so it seems like that is the mindset where feelings and feelings trump everything. Like if you feel like you, you don't want your wife anymore, it's cool. Follow your feelings and go find someone else. You feel like, uh, you don't want to go, you know, to church anymore. Cool. You feel like you don't want to be the father of your children. Sign over your rights. I mean, it's it's all over the place. Yes, yeah, that whole uh, the heart wants what the heart wants, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get in trouble with that. I mean, even the church gets in trouble with that a lot. Uh, you know, the uh, 
what, what do they call it? The seeker sensitive or the seeker centric movement where they preach sermons that don't speak on a spiritual level, but on an emotional level to bring people in and yep. there's no meat there. And when you, when you drift from the Bible for a worldly, you know, to go after more followers to increase those numbers, sometimes you lose the purpose for your existence. So, Carl, what do you got? Well, one verse that comes, and uh, so Romans 6.12, Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Um, so I view God gave us emotions, right? If we look throughout the Bible, uh, there's a, like Psalms is full of emotions. There's full of fear. There's full of joy. There's full of despair. Distraught, I mean, just everything, right? Uh, jubilation, all this stuff. The Bible is full of emotions. I really view it that it is a gauge, but not our guide kind of thing. So our feelings are really a gauge of where we're at, but we can't let it control us. Just like that verse said, uh, you know, we can't, I think that's the problem we have is, uh, and like churches nowadays, uh, not all churches, but a lot of churches, they'll use the feeling. They want to get that emotional impact out of you. So they're going to talk about all the great emotions, all the great things. That's sort of, you know, um, the prosperity people use that a lot too, right? Because it's all about, well, you can be well and you can be wealthy and you can have happiness, you can have blessings, you can have these things. And it gets to a point to where I think if we start using our feelings as our guide, that are guiding, then we go completely against um, what that's allowing almost the sin to operate on us. Uh, I think we need to understand that we need to have a control over our emotions, but we can't let them guide us. It's just to gauge where we're at because David, like I said, in those Psalms, man, there he was, I mean, he asked God, like, you know, especially some of the, um, the imprecatory psalms that like he's asking God to cast down judgment because he was angry because people were attacking God. And he's like, God, I'm angry. I'm ticked off. I want you to cast down judgment on these people. And it's very emotional. But normally on every psalm that he has that starts off with emotion, it's a gauge. But then he lets the spirit guide and it always comes back to a place where his focus is on god because his he was able to control the emotions he let it out but so they gauged where he was at but they didn't guide him and so but when david was guided by his emotions we look at the biggest sin that he had right and uh when he didn't go to battle and then he decided to look at the girl right and then had sex and like all that other stuff well, he let his emotions guide him. So look in the Bible. How many times did you see that? Saul did that. Look at all the times when uh, uh, Jonah, right? I mean, just throughout <laughs> all the people, when they were guided by their emotions, it led them into a place where God then had to discipline them. But people who showed emotion, like Elijah, as a gauge, and then was able to control it, look at the power that they had because of it. 
Yeah, like uh, Jeremiah 17, 9. Uh, the heart is more deceitful than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Right. You know, when we listen to that heart, you know, in the Bible and even today, when we listen to that heart, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants. And unfortunately, there's no, uh, you know, there's no connection to the brain. You know. Yeah. Well, how many times are we told to be sober-minded, right? First Peter what, 5, 8, something like that. Uh, yeah, 5, 8. Uh, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Being sober-minded doesn't mean to be, you know, not drinking, not sober. And this is how we view sober, being sober-minded, being in control, right? Being in control. We're told constantly to be sober-minded because when we're not, is when, and then Proverbs, right? All the time about wisdom and not talking to the lady of the night, like all that stuff. It's lighting the emotions. So, yeah. yeah, it's one of the fruits. This. Two, you know, self-control. Yeah. So, all right, Eric, what do you got? Oh boy, um, here's here's the, the here's spot. the thing. Yeah, put me on the spot. No, you didn't put me on the spot. Um, first off. You know, listening to you guys talking, I got to I got to thinking. You know, we talk. You, you talk about the heart wants what the heart wants. Um, you know, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the bad guy for a second. I'm and I'm gonna say, well, you know, if we're not supposed to listen to our hearts, then why are we encouraged to ask Jesus into our hearts? Because if Jesus is in our hearts, then we should be able to listen to our hearts, right? Find that in the Bible. <laughs> find that in the bible find okay. that in the bible i guarantee Honestly, you that nowhere just, in the bible does it say jesus christ lives in my heart <laughs> i i'm not disagree, i'm not disagreeing with you on that but every single church in the known christian kingdom says that so you know that's 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 one thing number number two thing that i want to bring up is you know in the beginning we're told that um, God said, let us create man in our image. So these emotions that we have, um, fear, anger, happiness, joy, regret, all of those are, you know, those are emotions that are in the image of God. For example, um, God got to a point where he he regretted the day that he made man, so he sent a flood upon the earth to destroy that which he created because what he had created had become so evil. So, you know, God experienced regret. God's experienced disappointment. God's experienced joy. God even had to turn his back on the day that his son was crucified because he could not bear to watch. There was deep sadness and deep sorrow that God felt. So the emotions that, that, that and, and feelings that we have, that we go through are not, they're not wrong. It's just when we, when we act on those emotions, when we, you know, when we go and we say, you know, I, I'm you know, I'm scared. So I'm going to do this for, you know, we get, we get angry and we act out and 
we, 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 you know, we step out of line from what the word says or, you know, for, for lack of better terms, you know, we talked about David's greatest known sin, you know, was, uh, checking out this hot chick on the, on the rooftop, not too far from him. And then acting upon the, 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 the lust that he was feeling, um, the, the emotions, the, the emotions aren't wrong, but it's like, it's like Carl was saying, they're a gauge for the moment. They're not something that should drive our lives and our actions. And right. We, we direct our emotions. They don't direct us. Right. Right. So there, you know, and you ask for, you know, an example where we see, you know, feelings being right or wrong. I have one word, snowflake. You know, hedonism. That is a huge thing, but it, there is it, Christian hedonism, but that's different. Uh, yeah, no, but I agree. The country is all about hedonism now, which is I'm going to seek pleasure, which is I'm going to give into my feelings and seek and seek pleasure. So yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Well, so back in season know. one, we talked about righteous anger. Yeah. Yeah. There's Danny. Hi, Danny. We talked about righteous anger when uh -huh. the dude stabbed him in the camp, yeah. you know, the man and the woman. Oh yeah. Yo, that it was is. acting on that emotion and that righteousness. I'm not saying emotion is wrong. I'm just saying, you know, How a, is it is it guiding us or are we guiding it? Right, right now yeah. in society, the emotions reign higher than truth and sometimes logic. Yeah. You know, uh yep. so I feel this way. I mean, look at, and I'm going to get. I feel like a girl, out. so I'm going to dress up. I feel like a boy, exactly. so I'm going to do this. I, I feel like I'm this now. I feel like I'm that. You know, I'm going to be that. And when that happens, you take the rule stick, you know, the, the measuring stick that determines where we are morally as a society, and throw the ruler out the window. You no longer have anything to measure yourself. And it gets progressively worse. And, you know, the problem is that the church is going with it. I mean, look at what just happened with, is it the Methodist church? Yep. That's split. Yep. And because they have, we want to let gay pastors or, and transgenders and stuff like that in and the more traditional now here's where you know that it's a problem that stems at the root of what is wrong with the united states right now is that if you look at how the church how that particular denomination split the more liberal progressive wing is in the states and almost unanimously mm -hmm in Africa and other countries outside of where the persecution is the strongest yes. is the one that mm -hmm. said we want to stick the closest to the Bible. Yep. I mean, it's, it's second Timothy four, three, right? So for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they haven't itched to hear what they want to hear. Right. It, it, it's that. Yeah. It's, it's a Romans one world right now. So, Yep. And, it's, and I love the persecution piece because uh, we joke around. We're not really persecuted Christians here in nope. the States. We're not. Nope. 
Like, I don't have to worry about saying the word God or bringing my Bible or having my Bible in my car. But now, it's... I, I want to challenge you on that one. I agree with you. If you mention, you can mention God all you want, but the Not moment Jesus. you start talking about Jesus, <laughs> that is when you face persecution. All right. I had, I had, but I had. Is your life going to be? Are, are people trying to kill you? I'm talking about like an overseas, like in Africa and other countries where they have to be like the old church and and they have to meet in secret and when they talk to people, I mean. Yeah, people might might yell at you and not like you because you talk about Jesus, but people aren't trying to hunt you down and kill you. Okay, go. I'll give you that. Yeah, the that's, the that's level of persecution, persecution. well, yeah. again, that, that really does depend on where you are in the United States. There are places where you are persecuted and attacked for your beliefs in the United States. That's California, and it needs to just break off into the water and become its own country. You know, we may actually get a listener from California. I don't think you just want to tell them, screw you guys, we don't want to talk to you. (laughs) I mean, Colorado's not that far behind, I'm just saying. No, they're too high to know know what's going on. (laughs) Hey! Hi, Danny! Colorado Colorado is not the only state that has legalized marijuana, so y'all need to just back off. No, but it's know, been doing it the longest. It's had the most you're Rocky the Mountain High. I'm just <laughs> you oh. are the pioneers for that. You, you, Arthur, you're hurting my heart again, bro. What? <laughs> what? I didn't, I didn't say it. Oh, wait. Yes, I did. Never mind. I said it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, oh. short-term memory. Uh, it's called old timers disease. Hey, don't I'll be talking on those sayings now. But I mean, we live in a society in which even the church, I mean, if you look at the seeker sensitive churches, their doctrine mm-hmm. ebbs and flows with society. And there's yes. a problem with that because you're not talking about the gospel anymore. You're not talking about the Bible. I mean, we as Christians are taught that Jesus is love but we forget that he is a warrior and a co- I mean, I'm pretty sure the guys in this group understand that, but Christians as a whole, the majority of them like the fuzzy Jesus, not the, I'm going to come back with a sword and smite 200 million people. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody, everybody will forget and sometimes from time to time and even, you know, even the strongest, most um, stout Bible following person will come into a come into a time where they forget. Yeah, God is love. Jesus, you know, and, and mercy and compassion and grace. But they also forget about the fact that there is a judge. You know, God, God is also a judge. He's a just um He's a just God, you know, the whole, yeah, the whole judgment seat thing. Um, There's, there's this, and I think you hit the nail on the head there, Arthur, is more people are, are drawn to the, the warm, fuzzy, I love you, Jesus versus, you know, the, the King who is going to return and there's going to be war. 
and there's going to be, there, there's going to be people that are going to lose. They're going to be on the losing side. So, well, I mean, what did Brian say earlier? You know, we sit here and, you know, we talk about that, you know, there's the, the, we love Jesus, you know, and they forget the whole, but you will choose hell. You will choose hell. You know, how can you reconcile a loving God with somebody sending someone to hell and they're not sending or God's not sending them to hell. They're choosing hell by rejecting God. And, you know, we get challenged. Well, God loves me. You shouldn't tell me that this is a sin or you shouldn't tell me that that is a sin. You know, that's not my truth. I mean, there are people that we have this debate with all the time that when, if they're in a lifestyle that they believe is fine, I mean, but we're guilty of it too. I mean, everybody here is guilty of it, you know, of having that sin that, you know, if somebody was to call us out on it, we'd be like, well, you know, God forgives. I mean, and, you know, we get that dopey look, you know, well, God, God's got to forgive me for it. Well, yeah, but you forget that you have to, you don't have to earn that forgiveness, but you need that repentance. Well, let's 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 take a look at, at at something on that. Just just a topic here um, that people have strong feelings about, especially. And I'm not singling anybody out, but I I grew up, you know, the first fifteen and a half years of my life um, attending a Southern Baptist church. And you know, if you ever let alcohol pass your lips, oh my God, you were sinning. Um, <laughs> And that's and, and you know because because alcohol is a sin. Unless it's the Lord's supper. <laughs> oh, no, no, I, they, just, they just use they just use new wine for that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but see, if you look at that, to some people, that they interpret scripture to say alcohol is a sin. Where where you know when I read it, it says you know, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the spirit. There's a difference between a drink and being drunk off your rear end. But, you know, according to some people, oh, we feel, we feel that, you know, that, that alcohol in it, it, any alcohol consumption is a sin. And then all told Timothy to drink wine for his upset tummy. So, yes, he did. He definitely did. What I like is when they combine um, the alcohol with, I don't, if we're talking about feelings, we combine alcohol with, well, I don't want to be a hindrance to another who may fall victim to alcoholism. So I'm not going to drink because of that. Well, it doesn't, my question, I guess, would be, you know, am I that responsible guy? Is it my responsibility, you know, to not be that hindrance? Or, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, just trying to drum up conversation on that. But Well, we're told not to make our brother stumble, not to do anything to make our brother stumble. So that's if you know. So, like. Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, like, if I know that, Danny, you had an alcohol problem, I'm not going to drink in front of you because I don't. I know that's going to make you stumble. But. I'm not going to, so I don't drink, but let's just say I do. Yeah. Like if just because you don't drink doesn't mean that I 
can't have a drink, right? Well, but, I'm not, but I'm not going to have a drink in front of you because I know that that might make you stumble. Well, so there's a difference. I'm an alcoholic. So it was hard for me at the Tough Mudder because everybody wanted to see her go, hey, congratulations, have a beer. And I'm like, no, because <laughs> I don't drink just one beer. I drink all the beers, you know, yeah, and right. I drink all the whiskey. It's one drink, or so, none. It's like all yeah, or none. I, 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 it's either and zero and or none because I have no willpower. But see, I know I have no willpower when it comes to it. I know that once it touches my lips, I'm done. And so I just avoid it entirely. And I'm okay with other people drinking. So it's not a hindrance for me. The Tough Mudder was hard because that's, you know, we had finished the Tough Mudder at the end, and that's all they had. Take beer. We were the last ones. They were like, yeah. Can I have water? No, sorry, we don't have any water. Energy drink? No, sorry, we don't have that. Have beer. Beer is good for you. No, beer is not good for me. Well, here, here, here's, an, here's another thing. Maybe one broke like five ribs. Here's another thing, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be kind of, I'm, I'm gonna be kind of a punk here, but you know, the the view that I have is, you know, if if you're looking at me and you're looking at what I do and you're putting that above, you know, having your eyes on Jesus, then you're looking in the wrong place. Because I am a human, I'm gonna screw up. So don't try to pattern yourself off of me, you know. And I know that's kind of a cynical way to look at things, but you know, in the in the same vein, I, you know, I I just I just think that you know, Paul told Timothy, you know, to work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. It doesn't say, oh, hey, look at me, do what I do, um, you know, because that's putting your that that it would kind of put yourself on a pedestal above Jesus Christ himself. And, and that in itself is, is, is kind of a wrong attitude to take. So, you know, my thing, my thing is, and I, I've actually told some people that, you know, they're like, man, you know, we, you know, we really look up to you. But I, I said, don't look up to me. You've got to cut your own path. You've got to cut your own way in, in, in the world. And as a Christian, I said, because if you're trying to pattern yourself off of me because you think that you see me do something and because God has allowed me to be uh, be a part of something that is, is, you know, just awesome and amazing, take your eyes off of me for a minute and realize where, where whatever happens or however God chooses to use me in the situation, take, take me out of the equation. Because I'm just I'm just a vessel for you know for for God to use and God to flow through and you know for for God to touch people. Quit using me as a pattern for stuff. You yeah, know, I I kind of agree with you, but you're a you're a dad, so you can't make that statement. Everyone who has I, kids, you are the pattern. You are the example, and. We are to be that light in the world. So, yes, we are to be that example, which is why we hold ourselves to a higher standard. However, we had to add the asterisks, you know, like the end of Barry Bond's home run record. We have to add that asterisk that we will make mistakes and the following conditions apply. You know? <laughs> well, we, are, we are to be that light and to be that example. But no, but no, but you... I mean, not you personally, but what, what people have to understand is, is because when a Christian falls, when 
somebody makes a misstep, when somebody legitimately makes a mistake, you know, it's that, it's that, you know, you've been sitting on a pedestal, you've been set on a pedestal that you have no, you have no, you have no reason to be on. Um, people put you on that pedestal. People do that to pastors. And when pastors fall, oh my gosh, man, to see the, to, to see the backlash and to see all the disparaging comments and all that stuff. And it's just like, guys, he's a man. Yes. He is supposed to be, you know, showing the way, but good grief. He's a human get quit putting people on pedestals that you think that, you know, you know, you think they're the best thing since sliced bread and you forget they're human. They make mistakes. We're not perfect. We're not God. We're, we are, we are poor imitations at best, you know? So it really, I mean, that's something that just really irks me. It gets under my skin because, you know, it's one of those things where people take their feelings and, oh, I feel pastor so-and-so is just such a, you know, such a godly example. And then they screw up and they may say, they may say the word crap from the pulpit. And then, you know, heavens to Betsy, it's a cardinal sin. And everybody's, you know, talking smack about that pastor. And, you know, it's just, it's, man, it's, it's just ridiculous because all their feelings and all, man. And that's what we're talking about, right? Is feelings and how they, you know, really screw things up. Well, see, the problem is, is that you're, is that the example that you're giving is other people comparing themselves to you. And how you don't want to have that. For me, I want to pattern myself after Jesus. I want to pattern myself off of what's in the Bible. You know, I know that Jesus is the ultimate goal. So maybe I need to go, you know, like Paul or, you know, Peter and then crawl my way to Jesus. You know, that that guy, <laughs> you know, modern myself off of that because I know I'm going to make mistakes. Right. But you need to focus on you and not on other people. And I'm not a pastor, but if I was a, if I was a pastor and I would preach the way I preached and I would give the message that God gives me to preach. And I don't care how it comes out because it would be directed by the Holy spirit. And, you know, I would give him that control over, you know, what I speak and what I say in front of a church. And if people don't like it, bye. I mean, there are people who are going to be rubbed the wrong way because they don't want to face truth or they're going to be, I mean, we have people in our group who are incredibly blunt with what they say and they don't Not care. If they, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they don't care if they, I mean, they're not out to intentionally offend you. But they're going to do, they're going to say what's on their heart and they're going to tell you exactly what it is. They're going to call you out on your stuff, but there's no hate there. There's no, you know, they still love you. Uh, They, you know, they, they just are going to do what they're going to do. And I think that, you know, since we're talking about feelings, that people feel that they have to compare themselves to other people. Some well, of you are in some of you are in the run the year group on Facebook, right? Yes. And how many times do we see I know this isn't the fastest. I know I haven't gone very far. I know I haven't done this. I know I haven't done that. 
I know, I know, I can't compare to that speed. I know I can't compare to that speed. And it makes me sad that these people feel that they have to compare themselves with the fastest guy. Like if I take my times and compare them to, oh, I don't know, Carl's, he can run three miles to my one, but I'm retired and I have 24 hours to run. So I'm eventually going to pass him. I'm just saying. You, you have more in the, in the right now. Like I haven't hit a hundred miles yet. You, I am perfect. eight miles away from, and I'm going to get them after the podcast. I'm going to get my 300 mile bib. Tonight. What's wrong with you? You're not on the treadmill right now, man. Because <laughs> I can't carry my computer to the treadmill. <laughs> Well, here, here's, here's where, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, you're talking about running. The, the thing of it is, is you're on a different, you're on a different course and different set of circumstances than say Carl or John or Danny, you know, and we just have to, we just have to run the race that is set before us. You know, that's like um, a Bible verse or something, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It's like a Bible. Can you find it? <laughs> but that's a, I mean, that's the case right there. You've got, you've got a destination. You've got a race. You have a path that has been designed for you, and you have to run that race. And you know, Carl may, Carl may get to, you know, point. B before you even make it out of the starting blocks. But that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that you won't get there. Yeah. So, you know, you, you know, but it's that, it's that feeling that, Oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to, I've got to step up my game. I got to do this. And, and, you know, it's, it's allowing that feeling of, of, you know, Oh, you know, so-and-so is so much better at this and really shouldn't be, or so-and-so is gone you know, so many miles and, and, and I haven't even gotten five miles out, you know, yet. And it's, that's, that's when, like you said, we're comparing ourselves to other people and we're letting our feelings and feelings of competition, you know, as men, you know, we are competitive by nature, you know, and, you know, so we feel like, oh, wow, you know, Arthur's getting ready to hit his 300 miles. I, man, I, I, I can't let Arthur outdo me, you know. So there and again is where feelings get in, in the way and they start, they start dictating our actions. They start dictating our, our words. They start dictating, you know, where we go, what we do, when we do it. And, you know, that's... I mean, honestly, I'll just, I'll just be blunt and honest. That's bullcrap. I mean, you've got to have your race. You run your race the way you need to run it, the way God has called you to run it. Screw what everybody else is doing. If God, if God has called you to go east, you go east. If God's called you to go west, then you go west. But if God's called, but if God's called you to go north and you go south, that's a problem. Well, just think of uh, recent changes that we've seen with men's ministries and different things like that on how the because of feelings and people getting upset and being things like that, that there is a complete change of, you know what, uh, 
you need to slow your roll on letting people know what your numbers are and what you're doing because you know your people are getting hurt right you need to stop that while it's supposed to be encouraged because so like i had a really good conversation today with a youth uh the men's minister at a church on the west side of jacksonville which is the fun part where we don't have a, any kind of movement yet and uh he asked about the physical nature about it. He goes, so like, he's like, is it like hardcore competitive, like raw and all this stuff? I was like, yes and no. I was like, it's you versus you. I was like, you're going to post your numbers and then I'm going to post mine. And maybe I run faster or you run faster, but I'm going to encourage you and I'm never going to knock you down. There's no condemnation, right? Romans 8, 1. I was like, so that's kind of like how we do. We don't care how fast, how many, how little you do. We just want that you did it and we're going to lift you up and uh so those numbers are important and i think when we take those numbers away because you're afraid of people's feelings then it gets diluted and the discipleship that iron sharpens iron process can't happen yeah when that competitive spirit you know can be negative but at the same time it can be positive i mean it, how many times have you been you know hey i did this many of a certain exercise and you see that number you're like you know what that that's inspiring it's going to push me to do more well and i mean you, have that. you see it in california here recently in the news they said they're going to take away physical fitness tests in school because of bullying that comes out of there and i'm assuming it's because some people can perform well and some people can't perform well uh yet again it's another example of you know how people feel dictating uh what is actually done for the majority of people so are they going to uh, get rid of standardized testing then because that can make the smart people feel superior to the not so smart people? Oh, See? come on, John. So yes, the next logical extension, isn't it? They're already well, standardized they're tests are racist. Yep, they've already claimed that standardized tests are racist. So uh, Well, standardized test is an 1800s model that should have died 20 years ago, but they've decided that no one can be better than anyone else. Unfortunately, uh, with um, exponential industry, that that doesn't work. Well, that's why I love they used that. to grade on the curve. You know, the the highest grade in the class was a C. So all of a sudden, that C turned into an A. But if you were that one person who had an A, it knocked you down. I, I was never for that, man. If, if you excel, you excel. You should get the credit for that. That's why I'm glad that when uh, they allowed, like Navy, they allowed, they said, all right, females can become SEALs, but we are not changing, like, you still Oh, yeah, me. same thing with Special Forces, yeah. Special Operations in the so Army. I like that. They're like- For a girl to go through, they had to pass the male standards. Yeah. And I like that, like, okay, we're not changing. Like, you need to be where we're at. We have the standard, and that's the way it should be. Like, there's a standard. And really, it wasn't even, you could say it's not even a male standard, it's just the standard. Standard, yep. You know, so, these villains today. So, <laughs> I, I just took over um, the youth ministry. Like, last Sunday was my first Sunday with the high school students. And let me just say, wow, <laughs> the, I don't remember the level of disrespect when I was uh, in high school. 
Um, we had a kid who um, took some snacks out of the kitchen and he was going to class with them. Well, the rule is there's no eating in the classroom. So uh, the youth pastor, not me, but I was, I was right next to him, told him, hey, put it back, give it up. And he's just like, no. Flat out said, no, I'm not doing it. And he's like, well, give it to me. And he's like, no. And I watched this grown man get beaten down by a middle schooler. And, and I'm not knocking him in a sense, but it's like, dude, you are the authority there. Like, you are the grown-up. Like, you take that food from that kid. Not anymore, he's not. No. Oh, no. no. The moment he didn't take decisive action was the moment he handed over his authority. Oh, yeah. So the first thing I did in my, in my high school class, like, we sat down. I said, all right, so you can either call me Staff Sergeant or Mr. Norman. Uh, there's no hoodies, hats, or earphones in here. And all your cell phones are going in this Tupperware. And you you thought I cut their arms off. You did. But but they listened. <laughs> they put them in the Tupperware, and it was a tough. But I said, you know, I explained to them. I said, it is about respect. I'm going to respect you guys enough to give you my full attention and the best teaching I can give you. Uh, that's God led. And I expect the same in return. I expect <laughs> the level of respect from you to match the level of respect I give you. Well, and, okay. uh, high schoolers are what age? I mean, right these about. were freshmen and uh, sophomores, uh, like 14, 15. All right. So you, these children have grown up in a post nine 11 society, which means they didn't get that boost of horror and patriotism. They didn't get that cause. They have grown up with the internet where they watched the knockout game, where they watched the disrespect and practical joke channels, the challenges that people do that cause them to act out, the internet famous, the YouTubers, the rise of all of that. They believe that they are entitled because they have seen people do it. They believe that it will come easy to them if they get this or if they do this. They don't have that whole, you have to work for it. But my question is, is do we believe the church is feeding into that mentality? Um, they have every opportunity, but they're not led. So we can't say that you, if YouTube's raising your kid, that's your own damn fault. Right. I mean, you know, I've got millennial, you know, I've got a kid who's 16 and I've got all this other stuff. And, you know, I just, I, I don't buy into the victim argument that society's formed my kids. No, you've allowed society to form your kids. Take responsibility for this, you know? And, and so many times they're just like, well, you know, two parents are working. There, there's all these built in reasons why you can't go to church. You can't teach the Bible. You, you can't be strict. You can't, you can't, no, you can. You're just choosing not to because you're folding to what the, what you consider acceptable norms. Yeah. And, and there's starting to be a backlash. You're starting to see a backlash on that particular thinking. People are not coached with that anymore. They're like, no, this isn't working. It's obviously not working. Look at what the damn speaker of the house did at the last state of the union. She tore a speech up and made faces the whole time. I mean, 
it, it's it, it's created a backlash. People are getting to the point where it's like, all right, either I'm going to, or society has to change, and society's not going to change. So, the the onus goes back on the individual, and I think individualism is coming back as opposed to pack mentality, at least on one way of thinking. When you when you're a little more conservative, pack thinking I think is going away. If you're too extreme conservative, pack thinking like Tea Party, they they all think alike, and you can't think any different. And it's the same with the liberal side. You get too far to the left, and you either think like them or you're a Nazi. And it's just we're allowing society to dictate, and we're throwing our hands up and saying, "No, this this isn't this isn't uh, you know look what's happening." You know, kids are disrespectful. That's because we're allowing allowing them to be disrespectful. You know, and there's there's a lot of things that'll change. I mean, it's just school in 10 years isn't going to be the school of the day. Public schools are going to go by the wayside. They just are. They're antiquated. They're poor teachers. And, you know, it's going to be more individuals. And They're now is and <laughs> the opportunity. Now is the opportunity because it's going to go to the individual learner. Now is the opportunity to teach those lost uh, manners again. You know, because the the, the the everyone in one line, go to a bell, go to the next class, go to a bell, um, factory worker mentality of the school system is is killing everything. So, I mean, it's got to go away from that. And, it's, and then I think that's the way it is around values and norms also. It's, it's, it's uh, a manufactured mentality that this is how it's got to go. And then if it shifts a little bit, everyone shifts because... You know, lemurs follow lemurs. When you're going to run off the cliff, you run off the cliff. Uh, you know, and I think we have the opportunity to either be bold or conform. It's going to be right in our face in the next five years. We talk about schools the... are going to be in trouble, and it's going to be up to the individual. And now, the opportunity is right here. So either we prepare for it. Or we wait and say, oh, gosh, look, it really happened, and then we're behind, and we got no one to blame but ourselves. We talk about the schools, and um, in, in my class, there's it's probably 50-50 uh, homeschool versus public school. And uh, the I personally, like, I'm not a fan of homeschooling. I don't have nothing against it. It's just I'm not a teacher. Like, I'm not – I don't have that uh, temperament to teach my kids education, you know, values, respect, morals. I can do that. But, uh, but in, in the class itself, there is a clear difference in social mannerisms, uh, awkwardness, things between the, the kids in the public school. I think one of them is in private school and then the homeschoolers, like the, interaction between everybody is clear there and I'm not knocking homeschools. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, it's just, like I said, it's not, I'm not a fan of it. It's my opinion. Um, but I don't bash anyone who good, it, is doing it because good on you, man. If you got, well, when you've got the time to do it, I mean, our, like you, you, you can do it and you probably do a really good job with it. 
you know, imagine you sit down with them and make them do the lessons. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of it, you know, we sat down and I have, my oldest was homeschool until high school. And then he decided that he wanted to do all the high school stuff. And that was fine. I mean, but uh, he was socially awkward, not because he didn't know how to interact with them, was, but that he believed that he was superior to them because he had manners and respect and they did not. And he didn't want to deal with them or their little click that they had at school or their little, you know, whatever, you know, social dynamics happen on at the school that he's not involved in. It's easier for him to stay outside of it. And I was totally cool with that. And it, he stayed that way all the way through high school where he would set himself, he, you know, they, they said that he was a loner, but he helped the <coughs> teachers. He became a teacher assistant. You know, he was so far advanced to the other kids that he was a tutor for those kids. And he, but he wasn't in the drama that, you know, you get at when that child has got, you know, 14 different clicks that they have to navigate through. You know, <laughs> my youngest is, uh, you know, when he's like, I don't want to go to regular school because, you know, we were, you know, talking about uh, moving to a different house. And I'm like, well, maybe you should just go to regular school for a year so that we can sit here and I can focus on the house. And he's like, no, 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 no. Your child has to be, Alex has to be motivated to do that homeschool work like I teach the lesson to do it without somebody looking over his shoulder all the time because I want to raise an independent child to be an independent adult because if you don't teach them to be independent and to follow the crowd like if you just let the public school system you know dictate what your child knows and dictates how your child learns they will eventually dictate how your child behaves you know look at the amount of time that you spend with your kids versus how much time the school spends with your kids in a public school system who has more influence that school has more influence because yeah technically you spend more hours but a lot of those are sleeping and <laughs> I mean, they spend what eight eight hours in a public school every day. Uh, I don't know something how. like that. No, something no, like no, that. No, well, depend. Depends on extra activities and all that other stuff. But yeah. Well, okay. When yeah. my oldest went, seven hours. School, he got on the bus at seven a.m. So he was with kids at seven a.m. all the way until four p.m. So I don't know how many hours that is, but that's a lot of hours. And my school district was the one that had that kid get beat by all those other kids because of a Trump hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my town. So to my son would not have done well in that situation. I mean, he's 6'5 and has been 6'5 since his sophomore year in high school. <laughs> that would have gone very different. But, <laughs> I mean, it's just, 
you know, there, that's a lot of hours that you have to deprogram your child for acceptable <laughs> behavior. What well, I, 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 I feel, I feel that that's just not a correct statement. Okay. <laughs> my, my feelings are getting involved. <laughs> Go figure. Not, not Eric's feelings. Yeah. I think he's a little oversensitive. Maybe a little snowflakeyish. His his emotions has never gotten him in trouble. Uh, never, <laughs> never. All right. So we have talked about how feelings have shaped and molded and corrupted society. Now let's talk about the stuff that really matters. How do emotions and feelings interact and stop your relationship with God, which is the most important relationship? Ooh, I I'll know. give you an example. Oh, go ahead. Uh, let me see. The feeling of um, lack or um, not worthy um, is probably the biggest one, I think, that stops me. And I, I, I think I can venture out and say that um, self-worth is probably one of the biggest roadblocks for a majority, so more than 50% of people, on how their journey with Christ is because they don't feel they are worthy of his forgiveness. They feel that they've, you know, done something so wrong that they don't know that they can be forgiven. And um, I'd venture out and say that that's, that's probably a, a more than 50% coverage on that particular thing. And, you know, even though in the Bible, it gives you example after example, uh, you know, David, for one, you know, killed a man, slept with his wife, got her pregnant, you know, all these things. And, and yet he was still saved. Uh, Paul, who went out and hunted Christians and turned them in and, you know, tortured them and jailed them and killed them. And yet he was the greatest um, promoter of the church once God got hold of him. And, and you have these examples of just these, what in today's society, would, you know, would be these horrible people. And they did amazing things for God. And yet you, even with that example, right in front of your face, it's like, oh man, I don't know, man. I've done, you know, God, the things I've done, I, you know, mm -hmm. I'm embarrassed to walk into church. I'm embarrassed to look at people, you know, oh, you know, I can't believe I turned that channel on last, you know, and it's just guilt drives the, the worthiness and it just destroys so many opportunities. I guess. Yeah, it's that, it's that comparison that we talked about earlier, where we want to compare ourselves to the best and instead of comparing ourselves to how God sees us, how we value ourselves in comparison to other people in the Bible. Well, absolutely. It, but even so, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I've ever met a Saul. I don't think I've ever met someone that rounded up and tortured and killed Christians. You know, so I don't think I've met anybody to that extreme, and yet that extreme was brought into one of the greatest promoters of the Christian church in its history. So I, I haven't met anybody there yet, and yet I meet people consistently that are like, oh, man, I can't go in there. I'll, I'll probably start on fire or lightning will strike me, you know, because of the life I've lived. I'm like, dude, man, read the Bible. You haven't lived the life yet compared to some of these people and the amazing things that they did once God got hold of them. Um so I think it's just a, it's a big opportunity that, that we miss 
because uh, we get in our own way. And that, I think it's our, you know, that's where the feelings come in. Our own feelings of doubt, self-worth, um, guilt, shame, you know, all the things that we're not supposed to allow to run our lives runs our lives. Yeah. And, and they're tricky too, because it's not like they come on you with this huge, you know, like if, if you were a, you know, just going along and all of a sudden you got hit with this massive amount of fear and uh, you would know that that was an attack, that that's not natural, but it comes small. I mean, you know, I told you guys, you know, when I wrote that letter, you know, how it came on that I thought I was doing the right thing until it got to the point where I was totally surrounded in the darkness and didn't know where to go from that point. So, you know, cause it's like, all right, now hmm? the emotions get in the way. Trying to think as a probably, I don't know, man, like pre soul con days. I can't think. Like I was just that American Christian just in church, but like even decisions or, or my daily attitudes or walk like was emotion driven. And it wasn't in the direction of God. You know what I mean? And I get in my feelings from time to time. Um, but it's I seem to be I seem to be more able now to recognize when I'm in my feelings. And I think that's a, a huge step of when when you can recognize that and take that step back and having a tremendous uh, brotherhood like we have, you know, you know, to, to have those guys call out, call you out and be like, Hey, you're in your feelings, you know, and, but let's talk about, it. let's <laughs> dive in and get through it. You know, no, having emotional intelligence is very important. Uh, understanding, I don't know. We've, okay. All right. Why did you tell me that, Arthur? Is uh, that so? Emotional intelligence, having an understanding of your emotional state, so that you have control of it, is very important. And that's something that's learned. Uh, you know, some kids are better at it than others, but a lot of kids growing up, they need to learn that. And, uh, you know, they need to understand that. And that's where they said someone brought it up is if YouTube and all that's raising your kids, you know, at, I say it like uh, same with like church, like it's the home. It's us like the gospel message and all that stuff should be at the home. We should be the ones portraying it, teaching it, showing it. And then it is strengthened when they go to church. But church should be the ones who are doing all the work for the kids. It's, it's at home. So I think if you look at the fabric of the foundation of the home has been tearing apart since the, the 60s, 70s, really. And you look at the home, the home nucleus, and how fragile it is, and look at the kids today, and it just makes sense because it's so much easier to say, hey, kid, just go watch some YouTube. Go learn what you need to learn. I'm not going to help you with your math. Ask Google, and he'll help you out with your math. I'm not going to help you out. And that's what they learn. Okay. 
You know, wait, wait, wait. Before, so I had a parent-teacher conference with uh, with Bo's teachers, and I kid you not, that is one of the things they told me was to help him out, go home and watch YouTube. What? I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I told the teacher, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's why you don't know how to teach this stuff, but you expect me to go home, watch YouTube, learn it, and teach him how to do it. Or just put him in front of YouTube to do it himself. Or right, you've got be, you've got probably one of the best math teachers in the world on YouTube that can teach it to you. So do you want to learn from the best, or do you want someone to stumble through? Oh, don't get me wrong. The YouTube video was amazing. Like yeah. it taught me some stuff. But is that the only thing doing? What are you doing as a parent? What are you doing to teach? What are you doing? to help control yeah. their emotions. Well, I, I'm taking the time out to to do it, like to yeah. watch these YouTube videos and then show him how to do it. I'm trying to show him how to do it instead of the YouTube guy doing it. You know what I mean? I, I get you. But I'm going to be honest with you. When my son came home from high school and said, hey, Dad, you're good with math. Oh, yeah, I took every math and science class in my high school. You know, I, I, I did all this stuff. He goes, okay, can you help me with this polynomial synthetic division? And I went, what? What did you just say? And imaginary numbers. What? They're not imaginary. Oh, no, they can't exist, so they're imaginary. No, stop. The words coming out of your mouth don't make any sense. I refuse to listen. You're going to make my head explode. No, I'm not he saying you can't use stuff, that I'm stuff. Like, oh! huh? I'm not saying, I'm not, I, didn't, I didn't mean that you can't use that stuff. I'm just saying it's too easy that the YouTube becomes the parent and the parents are the, are the parents or the teacher. The YouTube, the online becomes everything. So that's where the kids are going to learn. Like we've had to quell because how my daughter, we can tell like, no, you can't watch this because her attitudes and her emotions change because she sees it and she's like, that must be right. And we have to teach her that's not right. But yeah, well, one, of the th one of the things children lack are discernment. Right. right. They, they can't they can't discern right from wrong, good from bad. And that's part of where we're supposed to step in as parents to disciple them in that manner. But it's not because you can still get kids doing a stupid Tide Pod challenge or whatever challenge and they're posting on YouTube and they're getting likes and they're TikTok, whatever it is, they're getting likes. And it's like, oh, look, I'm famous because I'm doing something stupid and parents are allowing it. And that well, is greedy. Their brains aren't fully developed. I, 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 I will admit I watched a video where a kid was standing in a shower and he poured rubbing alcohol lit himself on fire now his mama is sitting you know or, or i think she was the one with the camera she's watching <laughs> him set himself on fire like <laughs> child she doesn't deserve to be a mother in my opinion way off track I know. Wait, when it Danny, didn't go out this woman started like oh my baby you know, all this Danny. stuff it was like you just watched him set himself on fire. <laughs> I have watched, I have watched some of your YouTube videos, Danny. And, oh uh, snap! I have seen you put hot stuff in your mouth, which is a fire. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I, look, that's way different than setting <laughs> myself on fire. It, it's levels. Uh, you know, it's it's one step to the Tide Pod challenge. You no. know, it went. One's an actual food of spice that you can put on stuff and is edible. One is not. <laughs> like you're not supposed to eat. 
<laughs> Arthur's just jealous. He don't want to do the challenges with me. Wait, he, who he ate did one. the whole mushroom? I mean, marshmallow. Yeah, marshmallow. Mushroom. Mushrooms. Might have had that, that was a disgusting <laughs> challenge. I do have to say that was horrible. I did it twice, <laughs> so I want to hear it. Oh, I can't wait till we all get together again. I've got a new one for us. Oh, no. It ain't going to be for a Tough Mudder. We got to figure that out. Unless we go to Tough Mudder UK. <laughs> I saw a thing where it looks like Tough Mudder and Spartan are trying to come to some sort of deal. Uh, it's in uh, the courts right now. Yeah. Y'all yeah. didn't already wait. pay for the Tough Mudders, did y'all? Nope. Oh. Wait, before we go, and I don't mind having this conversation, but let's finish the podcast yes. before yep. he has to edit out this huge section. Oh, yeah. All right. <laughs> Brian, thank you for joining us on our, you know, our beginning of season two and uh if you would i would be so honored if you would close us in prayer and in there's closing, gonna be six guys yeah. in the bible from now yeah, on closing I'm... thoughts and prayer brian there you go Cl buddy. closing thoughts and prayer so uh you know feelings feelings are one of those things that have been given to us by god and they can be i mean honestly you can look at them and they can be morally neutral right they can be used for good or bad uh, depending on how you act on them and I think it's important as Christians that we don't, don't penalize people for having feelings, but at the same time, uh, making sure that we properly teach those under us how to uh, work through those feelings and use them for the betterment of the kingdom and not to uh, tear things down or anything like that. So that's, that's kind of my closing thoughts, I guess. I'll pray us out, gentlemen. All right. Uh, God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the ability for us to be able to get together to discuss your word uh, and to fellowship with each other. Uh, thank you for us being able to look at these topics and live in a country where we are persecution free and we can actually bring up your name in public without threat of uh, death or dismemberment. I uh, pray for those Christians who are in those places where that is a reality for them. I pray that you strengthen them, that you give them the courage uh, to be unified in the word and to uh, spread the word like a wildfire in a way that sometimes us over here in the Western world have a difficult time understanding. I pray that you watch over these gentlemen uh, throughout the rest of the week and uh, we love you very much. Thank you very much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.